Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. COVID was a difficult time for all of us, but this next guest had a first-hand experience with hotel quarantine. He talks about what it was like to be on the ground from day one and staying on the ground until earlier this year. Max Hacker is a naturopath and mental health nurse who's worked in the natural health industry since the year 2000. He specialises in stress management, detoxification, anti-aging, men's health, holistic fitness training, and injury recovery. It was great catching up and learning about his story and recent experiences, and I'm sure you'll all get something out of this. Thanks again for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to learn more, you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com book, or you can join the Move Your Mind community at moveyourmind.me. Max, I'm glad that we finally got here. I think I, I think this might be a record for the most times that I've had to change um, a podcast interview. And there's been a few. There's been some where it took you know two years to get a guest on there, but it's been mainly my fault. And I think just the um, coordinating the times between countries and our schedules, and you know the time differences not aligning with the schedules. So I'm glad that we actually we made it we're here and we're about to you know record this episode amazing mate it's great to be here (laughs) (laughs) appreciate you making the time uh so yeah would you mind giving a bit of a just sorry i guess here to you know before we go into it to give a bit of a a background on on yourself and um what you do now and and you know how you came to doing what you do yeah thanks so uh so my background is that uh i'm I've worked in the healthcare field in terms of uh, both being in the natural and alternative medicine uh, field as a naturopath and holistic nutritionist. Uh, I also studied nursing and became a mental health nurse. I found mental health nursing really interesting when I was at uni. The uh, the, the symptoms of mental health and uh, the presentations of people when they're suffering from you know, a variety of mental health issues, I found that super fascinating as a student. So then my pathway working as a, as a nurse became into the mental health stream rather than the medical stream of nursing. And so I've worked as both a naturopath, a nutritionist, and as a mental health nurse now since, uh, uh, well, as a nurse for 12 years, as a naturopath for over 20 years. And um, it's, you know, I love both fields. I love um, the idea in natural health where we look a lot at underlying factors in a, in a person's health um, and in terms of symptoms of disease what are the underlying causes um really passionate about that whether it's nutrient deficiencies or some factors in a person's diet or lifestyle that are causing them to be sick and i love uh, mental health nursing as well i've done a lot of different uh, areas of mental health nursing i've done acute mental health uh, of people who are acutely uh, uh, unstable in terms of their their mental well-being you know schizophrenia uh, bipolar people who might be brought from uh, streets, say they're having a psychotic episode brought to the acute mental health ward. They might be um, in 
they're brought in by police or ambulance and uh, we'd be looking after them in the acute ward. And that's, uh, that was my first role as a mental health nurse. So I learned a lot. It was wow. extremely challenging. And I took that on as a, uh, I really at the time, it was so, so almost overwhelming in terms of how challenging yeah. it is. I had to take it on as a personal development challenge. I had to say, yeah. I've got a six month rotation in this ward and I have to take this on as I can get through this and know myself to be someone who can achieve something like this rather than running the other way, right? Because that is yeah. a thought that goes through your mind, I guess, or went through my mind when, you, when you're faced with an environment that's so, so, so stressful and, you know, uh, all, uh, so many factors that are going on in your own mind about, do I really want to do this? And then, yeah, you push through and then get, uh, get out the other side and come through and have skills that, that are then applied in other areas as well. I worked in aged care mental health after that, so psychogeriatrics, uh, which, is, uh, which is a great field as well. And drug and alcohol rehab is one of my main areas that I work in um, as a nurse as well, which is uh, also an amazing area. One of my most, you know, the things I'm most interested in is the... Um, is hearing people's journeys through drug and alcohol rehab is what, what led them to where they are now in terms of being in a detox clinic and everything that led them to that, being in that place, in that clinic, talking to me uh, as the nurse, right? And, and, you know, people have very different paths as that led them there, lots of different mm -hmm. paths. So mm -hmm. I found that really interesting. Then in 2020, um, it was really, really quite an interesting thing for me. I, uh, you know, with, with lockdowns and setting up to uh, do my, uh, work from home. I do I do a lot of lecturing at universities in both mental health and also in nutrition and naturopathy. So I sort of set up my home office, planning to work from home. Suddenly, these texts come through from a nursing agency that said uh, uh, hotel quarantine work. I thought, wow, this sounds amazing. So yeah. turns out that work was uh, on site in the hotels. At first, I thought this sounds like it's well, it's telehealth. It sounds like I might be doing this from home, right? Which is unheard of for nursing to be doing nursing remotely. Yeah. But it turns out we did go to the uh, hotel physically because we had to be there to kind of be on site, be part of the team. There'd be a doc, you know, medical team, there'd be doctors, medical nurses who looked after the COVID side of things with, um, uh, with, um, with swabbing and, and monitoring symptoms of patients coming back from overseas. And then there'd be initially not even a mental health team, there'd be just me as a mental health nurse. Eventually that grew into a team. They, they Over a couple of months, they, you know, would have psychologists as well and that sort of thing that was that were there. It would be uh, design, uh, there'd be uh, different departments like um, social workers and also the Department of um, Communities and Justice were providing emergency services for people. Some people who you know they were returning from due to COVID, they were returning to Australia after not having lived here for twenty years or whatever, mm -hmm. and didn't really have an address here, and you know they needed some help. I guess some of those people, so all those services. So I turned up at one of the hotels in Sydney and um, it was one of the most interesting experiences of my life. It was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I was thinking I almost should be taking notes here of all the, of everything that's happening because it's mm -hmm. amazing to hear these conversations about um, all these emergency responses to uh, suddenly people being taken from a cruise ship and being put up in the uh, Novotel or the uh, whichever other hotels. Um, and they were... Um, you know, they, I'd be turning up and then the other nurses would say, hey, Max, um, look, here's your list of people who require acute mental health support. Could you please give them a call? So mm -hmm. it was via telehealth, which was great. We would just use the hotel phone lines. And so from a COVID point of view, we were really protected. And I did have to, on an occasion, go to a patient's room, uh, but only knocking on the door, never going inside. <clears throat> but, you know, you'd be gowning up in the full PPE. 
and all the rest of it. But it would most of the time it'd actually be a, a welfare check with the police, where I'd, I'd be calling the guest in their room, they're not answering, and then we'd be um, uh, I'd call the police that were on site as well, say, hey, this person's not answering, can we do a welfare check? So we'd go up together, knock on the door, and every time we, with me, which was always good, they were they were always there and they were fine. It was just a reason that they didn't answer their phone, like they had it turned down too much, or they were on, um, uh, they were on their own mobile, or or something like that. Yeah. Um, or they were working. Some people were working, um, and you know we wouldn't go and do the door knock straight away. We'd always give it a couple of hours, and um, you know call several times before that. Because otherwise, you know, it'd be shocking. You know, maybe of course, you know, give it a bit of a shock. Um, but that was that was one of the reasons why we had to be on site physically, and so we could liaise with the different teams and also. Uh, be there in case we needed it needed to be so that was the journey into uh, a hotel quarantine and I've got to say well I did it from the first week that it started until almost the very end it was like basically wow. just over wow. a week that final final week it ran I couldn't do the shift but before un- until that point I was doing a shift all the way through and um, it obviously it ran until April this year right so it's a long it ran for you know, two full years and um, honestly, like every time I was on a shift, you know, they'd give us the, usually in most hotels, they'd give us uh, our own room, right? Just give us one of the, what's normally mm-hmm. you know, a hotel room for, 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 for visitors. Um, you know, we'd be set up in there and I'd get my own room and set up on the phone lines and all that. Sometimes we'd use boardrooms that were set up as call centers, uh, but most hotels, and there was probably 25 or so hotels that I went to here in Sydney in CBD and also at the airport. Um, mostly get your own room and, and like I'm just like wow this is where I'm, this is my workplace this five-star hotel room this is amazing yeah so yeah. basically every single shift I would always literally think wow this is an amazing job because I know it's going to end I really appreciate it yeah and did you I mean we did you get burnt out from it for doing it for that long like I mean that's it's a long time like it's hard to get your head around and I mean even when I think back now I mean it's so weird because COVID, I guess I've been, I was sort of in Australia for the first 11 months and I was back in the US and things sort of opened up, you know, a bit earlier over here than in Australia, but it just seems almost like a distant memory to me now, but you forget how long this went for and probably doesn't feel that distant to you, you know, with, with your experience. Yeah, fair point. And it probably went over a bit longer than it had to, to be honest. It didn't really right. need to go to April 2022 is how I felt personally. It's how a lot of nurses <laughs> felt as well. Long We're long. all wondering. We already had COVID. We had lock, you know, lockdowns ending, and it was on. You know, we had people being quarantined when there was probably more COVID in the Australian community. Yeah, I mean, possibly where they were coming from, possibly. So yeah, so there was there was that factor. But I did actually get burnt out here at one point. About six months in, I actually got pneumonia from being so burnt out. It wasn't a COVID pneumonia though, because I'd been tested so many times. But I was really sick for mm-hmm. several weeks, and yeah, that is actually what that's happened tough. Yeah, at that point, so. Had to uh, take a couple. Had to take a good three weeks off, um, and yeah, it took me a while to get get my breath back, quite literally. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I got a bit burnt out, a bit stressed. But you know, as a mental health nurse myself, I'm a person who likes to uh, find. You know, one of the bit, one of the big things that met, uh, the role of a mental health nurse in in any setting, whether that's in a hospital or or in uh, in hotel quarantine, is our role is we're like the uh, gatekeeper to to the services that a person needs so we find the resources and the support that a person needs as well as giving the the support ourselves that's within our within our skill set um so you know we find these 
refer to a psychologist or refer to you know a doctor or whatever it is that the person needs right and so for myself as well when i was stressed um Mm -hmm. i'd be finding my own services as well uh in terms of um well often it's literally debriefing sometimes these things can be informal uh debriefing with a colleague who's also in the same similar position who you can have a good chat to and hear them literally say word for word what i would be saying yeah it's like wow you know i can't believe you know we're having basically the exact same experiences and you know, stuff like that. Uh, that's what I was doing uh, more as I got to know more nurses. Yeah, well, you're only human, you know. It's like, and that's the thing, isn't it? Doing that kind of work. I think a lot of people probably forget that the people doing that work need to, you know, be taking care of themselves and need the support as well because you're taking on so much. And, I mean, I experienced that at a point when I was doing, I think there was a year, I'm not doing anywhere near as many now, but there was a year where I did about 150 talks and, you know, a lot of them, yeah, I'm having to share my own story. And really, you know, you you sort of, you're, it's very raw. And I just, it, it re- I got to a point where I was like, I, I actually have to pull back because this is affecting my mental health. I'm not coping um, with that extent of it, you know. So I think it's really important in the work you're doing um, that you guys are, are supported as well. And, you know, that it's, that's really, you know, talked about because um, that can sometimes get pushed to the, you know, pushed to the, a second priority. Yeah, so that's exactly right. Exactly right, <clears throat> and that's an under, you know, an under you know, appreciated point in general through healthcare is that is providing mm-hmm. that support for the actual people who who are the you know healthcare workers. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Did so? Did COVID for you? Um, I mean, I guess in mental health in general, that one positive that came out is it became more talked about because you know so many people were suffering not that you know that's a good thing but at least there was some positive that came out of it um for you did you did it show you that even more i guess everyday people that we wouldn't think normally would have mental health issues or could you know suffer in that way did it say did it elevate that actually more people are susceptible than you know we would think in everyday life or than people show i guess is probably what i'm asking yeah, sure. Yeah, it did, right? And so people, uh, all, you know, a variety of people would say things like they've got more access to taking a sick day in, in terms of their work because um, yeah. they can uh, talk to their boss about saying they need a mental health day, basically. Mm. Um, and I was just speaking with, with someone just recently that what I was, you know, talking about how, you know, taking a mental health day at work doesn't always have to, it can just be stress, for example. It doesn't mm. have to be a diagnosed mental health condition. Yeah. like anxiety or depression or schizophrenia or you, you name it, it can sometimes be, look, the stress is just overwhelming right now. I'd really benefit from a day off for my physical and mental health. So that's yeah. part of, um, you know, that, that higher awareness that people, you know, that I've seen can take a bit more, more leeway with that, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so in your, in the work that you're doing, are there, some what what are some of the most common um mental health issues that you're seeing i mean for example i guess stress and anxiety are you know two of the are such a big problem in the world now are there are there sort of themes and general things that you're seeing in society through the work that you're doing um as being uh you know an an, an issue that's affecting you know a, a large portion of us sure yeah exactly so stress anxiety um wouldn't have specifically changed in terms of the real, the full undiagnosed medical conditions or mental health conditions, I should say, like the schizophrenia, bipolar, or other, or other uh, 
mental health conditions like that, but the, the change would probably be in that area of stress and anxiety, maybe depression uh, that, you, that, you know, that, I, that I still see now. During COVID, it was really interesting when people were in their two weeks of isolation and it mm. was two weeks of isolation in hotels for most of the time, right at the end, the last couple of months became one week. Um, and then, uh, you know, people would, there'd be interesting sort of uh, variety of, uh, of challenges that people faced with, within the mental health, mental health context. One was where a person would say something, especially initially when people were coming back off the cruise ships, they would say, hey, you know, I was, this person's been suffering from depression their whole life. They were finally better to the point where they could go on a cruise, the trip of mm. a lifetime, and then they had to come back and then not only come back and the holiday ended in drastic circumstances, but they had to then do two weeks of isolation and mm. that just made their mental health really decline and they wow. went you know, downhill. So our role as nurses in those cases, or in all cases, but especially in those ones, was to make sure that people stayed safe in their rooms, that there wasn't some tragedy in terms of um, anyone doing anything too, too serious to themselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was really to steer the ship through for them and then, and then you know, get them out and then, and then get back on, uh, on track, hopefully, with their lives. So those sort of ones, those sort of situations where people were, you know, already suffering with, with a mental health condition, there'd be, the, interestingly, the sort of situations where someone would call me up because people could call up as well, as well as people. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And referred to me as the mental health nurse in, in, in quarantine. And they would say, hey, look, I've been working in my room. I've got, got you know, a job. But look, I'm really struggling. I thought I'd be fine. I thought I'd just relax here and, uh, and cruise through. But look, I'm really struggling. I'm getting panic attacks. I'm feeling claustrophobic. I can't open the window because they don't open mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that. And then they'd be like, you know, that's kind of the opposite end of where the person's normally high functioning and, you know, yeah. normally you know, pretty, pretty well. Um, and suddenly they're really struggling, right? So, again, yeah. you know, pro- that's where, you know, I'd be providing a lot of different support uh, and working with that person in what kind of support it is that works best for them, whether it's, you know, m- uh, meditation, deep breathing, visualization. A lot of these things, these things are best done in a guided way. Yeah. Through an app or through YouTube videos, something that guides you to do it, because it's pretty hard to just suddenly do that. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas. 
work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it, and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.com. Once you're in that situation, but actually, yeah. do you feel like in kind of a messed up way that someone being thrown into a situation like that where you have no control and all you know vices external you know external things are pulled away so you're having to actually confront being alone with yourself and your thoughts and then finding techniques to cope with that do you think in some ways that can be positive as well because i think you know most there's so many people i feel like and i meet so many people like this and you know i've been like this myself where um, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, life's amazing. And, you know, I'm, I'm never had a mental health problem, et cetera. But then you look at their behavior and they're drinking every second night. They're taking drugs. They're workaholics. They're, you know, they can't be still for more than five seconds. It's like, well, from the outside, looking at that, you're probably not that well. You're using external things as a clutch to actually cope. Because I think most of us, and it's a symptom of, you know, the world we live in as well with, instant gratification, technology, social media, people can't just be still and, and, you know, do nothing. Do you think that sort of helped to bring that to light for a lot of people? It's true. Yeah. Look, it's a good point. And actually in in some cases I tried to make that point to people. Yeah. Um, And I didn't do it to everyone because sometimes that might, might some people want to hear it at that point or yeah, that's right. They they might not be ready. Yeah. Yes. And they might say, well, it's easy for you to say or something like that. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so what I did though, when I had a better rapport and, and a better connection to the person through probably days of talking to them, like a few days in a row or whatever, I'd sometimes try and see if they could reframe the, ho- the hotel quarantine into a uh, into an opportunity rather than, or at least there's a, a component that's an opportunity there for them mm-hmm. to do things that they don't normally get to do, like just read a book or, or catch up on life admin and, and get into those sort of habits like the mindfulness or things like that. Absolutely. Maybe do... Yeah, or do a yoga class off YouTube every day, even a couple of times a day, create that structure. And so I know for myself um, that, you know, there's lots of things like that that I'd like to do that I don't get, I don't get the time to. Well, um, I, so, yeah. I loved it. I mean, I, I had been living in Vancouver at the time. I came back to Australia for the first 11 months and I was in, you know, lockdown. And I I actually, you know, really enjoyed that period because it was this 11 months of, okay, the decision's been made for me. I can't, you know, I'm restricted and all these things I can do. So it cut out half of the things I was doing for work. So I was like, okay, great. I've got all this time now to focus and work on myself. I launched this podcast. I signed a book publishing deal, wrote a book, did all these things I wanted to do and came out of it actually being in a better position and, you know, feeling better and doing more work on myself. So, you know, I think it can be such a positive as well to, you know, have this time to just stop because, I, I really do think the biggest problem in the world we live in now is just this inability to be um, present and to, you know, put focused attention on one thing at a time and devices. We, we you know, we're needing to be stimulated nonstop. It's just we're not, our brain is not meant to work like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%. It's crazy. Yeah. Did you uh, fly back into Sydney or? Uh, Melbourne. Or, Melbourne. Oh, into Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. So yeah, I was no, pretty is, lucky because yeah. I was because I was living overseas. I came back and um, stayed with my mum and dad, and you know was had they've got an enormous place and got to just you know have have a lot of space there to sort of do do things at the beginning of it, and then I was you know elsewhere. 
Okay, right, right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so you're right. And this is such an important thing. This is sometimes this issue comes up in, in sort of everyday life where, you know, we don't have enough time for each other. We, yep. you know, And I think that's something we should all be aware of. We need to have time for each other yep. just to be together, not always rushing off and doing a million things and let alone yep. all the stuff online and all the rest of it. I think that's, it's obvious, it's such an obvious talking point and it's, it's one that we have to, um, you know, work towards strongly because it's obviously only getting worse the amount of time we're spending on our phones and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, it's not going to change either. It's not going to. I think none of that's going to change unless each individual, you know, makes that choice themselves to make the changes. Because, uh, you know, maybe in the future, but at the moment, it's only getting worse. You know, we're only sort of getting more consumed by these things, and um, they're, they're becoming more addictive and whatever else. So, so yeah, I, I guess we've got um, one more question before I go into these final questions, but. Um, yeah, I think you were talking earlier about, um, when, you know, you're really interested in learning the stories of these people that are recovering drug addicts, alcoholics, et cetera. Um, I think that's a really interesting thing that we're not educated enough on. And I remember when I was living in Vancouver, I was on, um, I was living near, um, one of the, the main streets that where it's just got it's one of the worst homeless problems in in one of the Western world. This um, I'm forgetting the name of the street. I don't know why I've gone blank on it, but it's a um, it's basically a huge stretch like Skid Row in the US. And I was living next to it, so I'd walk to the gym every day and walk past. You know, seeing people literally passed out with needles in their arms, and this congregation of people that are homeless drug addicts, and there's nowhere else for them to go, and because it's cold in other parts of Canada, they're all congregating there and. Um, it's just become a spot they they go to. Um, and I would just walk past and look at them and, you know, every day I'd really think about it and I'd, I'd get a little bit emotional because I'd be thinking, you know what, these people have, I'm sure they have, you know, this huge backstory of how they got here. And myself or anyone else, if one or two things happened in our lives, we could be there as well. And we're not taught in society, you know, we're not educated on this and we're not taught to actually understand that and know that these these are humans. These people have real stories and they're no more flawed than us. They might have just had worse, you know, luck and worse things happen. And I think it's really important. And, you know, because I think the common thing is we judge, you know, we get taught to judge it and just say, oh, well, you know, don't end up like that. It's like, well, hang on. No one wants to end up like that. So what actually happened? Um, is that what you've experienced from, you know, hearing some of those stories? It's a 10-year anniversary of Underbrax and we've relaunched with the classic white pair. We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbrax.com. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So I've seen it in, you know, acute mental health wards yep. where uh, people would be, you know, have their family and children and wife and for some reason, they, they their mental health unraveled and they became homeless. And then they became their mental health got so bad that they became you know, they weren't coping and they became hospitalized. Yeah. You, you're going to go back in their timeline. If you go back ten years, they were probably living in the family home, right? Yeah. And they were coping. And yeah, it's uh, it's, it's yeah. you know, yeah. it's a really interesting point. You know, I've seen this. You know, where I've just thought, wow, this is uh, exactly on the point you made. They're just a normal person who, for some reason. You know, a couple of factors, possibly a combination of a few factors, maybe genetics as a component, or or could also just be literally factors, things that have happened in their life that have made them uh, decline in their mental health. 
Uh, and you know, I'm I'm a you know a big fan of the role of nutrition for mental health. Um, I think that in Western medicine in general, we don't have enough. We don't have our eye on the ball yeah. in terms of nutrients that are so important for mental health. A lot of people are deficient in vitamin D. Uh, a lot of people are maybe not completely deficient, but they're low in, say, B12 and other B vitamins that are really important for things like the synthesis of our neurotransmitters, brain chemicals like serotonin and, and, and other neurotransmitters. And if, you, if you're deficient in that nutrient, nutrient you know, the body's physically struggling. Mm -hmm. And then that translates into um, you know, symptoms of mental health, but it actually comes from a physical cause in some cases as well, as probably one factor amongst a few, like I was saying. Mm -hmm. So the nutritional side of it, I think, well, that's my main area of interest as a nutritionist is the, uh, is that because, because it can do, we can do a lot there. It's huge, you know, and we're not, again, not educated. I'm, you know, it's been an area I've, I mean, I, I'm not from a, um, I didn't study in this area. I've been more an advocate and sharing stories and, you know, working with different psychologists and experts and, for me, it's been about, you know, habits, fitness, routines, um, uh, you know, getting um, getting professional help. Um, I, I, you know, I'm also a big believer in people that, you know, some people need medication as well. You know, that's another thing. Um, but I think nutrition, it's only just become more recent that people are understanding, like you're saying, how, you know, critical this is for our mental well-being that we eat the right foods and look into that. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a really yeah really important um topic for people to explore yeah exactly right yeah so we finish every episode with five closing questions um so yeah nothing too crazy um these can just be you know short answers whatever whatever comes to mind for you uh yeah. so the, the first one is what's your best childhood memory um yeah it's a good one uh, uh probably um let me think. There's a few, obviously, like uh, as a oh, child. Was, one of one of the best, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, pro, well, going to, being able to go to um, uh, so like football games as a child when my parents took me, that was one of the best uh, because, you know, I grew up watching um, uh, rugby league and, and loved going to the games when when I could. I grew up in the Byron area, um, yeah. sort of the north coast of New South Wales. I was born in Germany, so we came to Australia when I was seven and, um, and then, you know, moved to... Straight away moved to the north coast. So to you know, there's no, there's nothing going on there, especially in the late '80s and '90s. Mm. There's, mm. You know, not a lot going on in terms of any, any sort of activities for kids typically, like uh, apart from you know local things. So something like a big football game that was one of my big memories. We stayed back and we got to meet the players. My mum wasn't so happy because we got out hours late. Yeah, but she, uh, yeah, we got we got uh, some signatures and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's one of my one of my memories. I also um, remember arriving in Australia actually as a seven year old. I remember. I was really already as a child into gardening, growing uh, growing things in Germany like sunflowers and things like that. And then um, I remember arriving at the airport as a seven year old and seeing all these trees that I couldn't that I'd never seen before, which were gum trees. Mm. Mm. And I literally remember that first moment. So although it's not a great memory, it's a big milestone as such in that moment. Yeah, yeah, I love that. No, that that's great. Thank you for sharing. Uh, what would you? What do you think is one of the biggest burdens on mental health in society at the moment? Uh, look, I <clears throat> I'm going to give you like maybe not the textbook answer, but rather yeah. what my observations are. And I think one of the biggest burdens actually is, uh, and is also an, an area of, of opportunity is for people to help each other more. Yeah. Um, that's to me is one of the big ones because yeah. Um, it's one of those. It's a. It's one of those more subtle ones in terms of 
unfortunately, and this can be a factor that makes a person's mental health decline, is that maybe someone else um, is, through their own challenges, maybe being um, not as supportive as they could be. Yeah. And that's not to say that's to a blame game or that's their fault. But I think one of the big things in mental health is that we support each other more and we're more aware of that as a society and as every individual. Absolutely. That makes sense. No, I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah, makes total sense. Uh, what's your personal definition of happiness? Yeah. Oh, good question. Um, well, first thing comes to mind, I don't mind going and getting a coffee and sitting down having a nice coffee. That usually uh, makes me pretty happy in the, yeah. uh, going to a local coffee shop. Um, spending time with the kids, 100%. Uh, yeah. I've got a three and a five-year-old and, you know, often at the end of the weekend on a Sunday night, it's all over already. The weekend goes so quick and I haven't had the chance. Well, we spent all weekend together and it's been pretty stressful and tiring. And I'm like, oh, well, no, tomorrow I'm not spending the day with you because you're at daycare and I'm at work. So spending good time with each other yeah, and, you know, snuggling and uh, sitting, you know, sitting together and, you know, reading a book or whatever it is. That's that's definitely a big one. And the simple things, isn't it? It's, it's the best yeah. Uh, so two more. Um, what what's your what are you most afraid of? Well, I'd say one of the things as a as a naturopath and nutritionist, one of the things I'm afraid of is the health of the planet. Um, the, the 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 health of um uh the, the oceans in terms of what's being dumped in them, things like the plastics uh, that are just floating around everywhere, contamination mm. in terms of our food supply and Although that's something we don't want to go overboard on in terms of overthinking it, um, I'm concerned around the health of um, planet. How you know they're finding toxins from you know industries that go up into the atmosphere and they travel through the clouds and they go into the highest mountains when it snows there. Um, yeah. So it's going it's going everywhere. So that's probably uh, in a broad sense one of the things that I'm concerned about. Yeah, yeah very valid point, mate. Um, so final one, a more positive one to end on. What are you most proud of? Well, I'd say, um, you know, someone asked me this recently, what's my greatest career achievement? And that was actually working in hotel quarantine. Yeah. Um, that was something that I think back to now. And, you know, it sounds almost a bit cliched, but it was an amazing thing to be part of and something that was something that I feel so lucky to have been able to be part of such a massive project. Um, so I'm proud of that. And uh, probably just my family as well and building the home that we have here in Sydney. So that's something that I'm definitely proud of, my wife and two kids. I, I love that well yeah max I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this and we'll have to do a follow-up one sometime in the future and great to meet you as well and thank you for for making the time and uh yeah appreciate it i'm sure a lot of people will you know really connect with a lot of what you talked about here thank you mate great to talk to you you too appreciate it yes thanks to max hacker for joining me today for move your mind if you'd like to learn more you can join the move your mind community by going to moveyourmind.me or you can purchase the Movie Mind book at nickbrax.com book. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.